if you are uh, uh, visiting or haven't been here in a bit, we're actually in a series that we started a, num- a number of weeks ago. This is week four of a series that we're taking from Christmas to Easter. Uh, about a year ago, I was listening to a guy named Andy Stanley who was doing a series, they called it 90, based similar idea of what would it be like to follow Jesus from uh, from uh, like to actually follow Jesus back then. And they just said, we're going to take 90 days and look at what it was like to actually follow Jesus. And so kind of loosely based on that this morning, uh, so that same idea, what does it look like for us to actually follow Jesus? Because I believe that there'd be a, a number of people in this room that would call themselves Christian. But in our country, in our culture, Christian means a lot of different things. Uh, there'd be people who are like, oh, I'm a Christian because that's a great pickup line. Uh, you know, that's how you get a good girl, right? And that's... Uh, I'm just saying, right? That's, there's things like that, that that don't mean the same thing. And so what, is it, what does it actually look like? And, and you know, the, the, uh, the Bible doesn't really ever use the word Christian, not in a positive term anyways. It was kind of a slam against people back in the day. Well, they're like, those are those Christ people. Um, but we use it as a term. But really, the idea that we've looked at over the last little while is that Jesus has called people to follow him, to be followers of Jesus. So whatever title you want to give that, uh, whatever denomination or whatever you want to call it, he brings it down to one thing. Are we following him? Are we following him really? Uh, and that's one thing we want to ask ourselves after each, and, each week. And are we following him? Are we following him really? And that's not always easy. It's not even easy for me as we go through. There's things I, I realize here as we've gone through too. There's areas in here I'm like, ah, you know, th- those are spots where I'm, not, I'm probably not following him as much as I'm following me in those. And so that's kind of where we're allowing the word just to change, change our lives. So um, we looked at a number of different people. There was a guy named Luke. Luke was a physician in the first century. He's a smart man. He uh, also had heard about the things that had happened, uh, that a man rose from the dead. And he said, I, I began to write an account. I'm just one of a bunch of people who are writing this account, and he was determined to write an accurate account, and he said, many people have tried to write about what happened among us, and so that's one of the things we've been uh, looking at. Um, uh, Just kind of in a recap, uh, this faith called Christianity, for many, they think it's based on like blind faith. Uh, You know, when you share with, you know, people who who are not followers of Jesus yet, they're like, how do you believe that stuff? You guys are just blind, blind faith followers, kind of like Bird Box, right? It's like, you guys are, you're on your way to like getting hurt and, and uh, last week we talked about the fact that this faith has always been based on evidence. It's not based on just, oh, if you, it's, not, it's not like Santa. You know, if you believe Santa's real, then he's real. And if you don't believe he's real, well, then he's not. It's, it's way, way bigger than that. It's this idea that, that there was evidence that there was a man named John the Baptist who was on the Jordan River, and he pointed, when he saw Jesus, he pointed at him and said, look, oh, great, there's people who are listening. Right on. He said, look, look, here he is. John didn't say, hey, I wanted to believe some stories. He's like, there he is. It's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And um, we have the teachings of Jesus, which prove there was a historical Jesus. We have his teachings. If there's any, any doubt, maybe you're like, well, I don't know that he's the Son of God. We don't need to go that far just yet. But we have his teachings, and there's no doubt that uh, a historical Jesus existed. And we learned last week that the first followers of Jesus, they didn't, you know, Matthew wrote, and maybe you're familiar with this, Matthew wrote, Jesus walked along the shore and said, come follow me. They left their nets immediately and followed him. And we said last week that'd be pretty irresponsible for you to just say, oh, you know, um, believe in Jesus and just toss everything else to the side. Even Jesus didn't call people to follow him that way. Uh, and Luke gave us the, the examples. You can look it up uh, or listen to our podcast from last week where it just simply said that they got to listen to the teachings of Jesus. They heard him speak often. 
Then they saw him do miracles. And then Jesus asked them, hey, would you trust me? Peter, trust me, go fishing. And he was like, okay, you know, I've heard your teachings. I'm going to trust you. And began to take these steps and realize that they could trust him. And through that, came to realize he was who he said he was. And I believe that maybe for you this morning, you're like, you're curious about faith. You're, maybe you're sitting in this building. Maybe you haven't been in, in a church in a long time. You're like, I don't even know if this is true. He's asking you to take some, some baby steps. And maybe this morning, maybe one of them. That, that's our hope. That really is our hope. Um, we're going to look at some of the teachings of Jesus today. Um, but before, uh, before we, well, two things before we get there. One, the reason I want to talk about what I'm talking about this morning is that I believe that because we've, we misunderstand some things when it comes to um, Christianity and the teachings of Jesus, that we actually make it more difficult for other people to become a part of it. My heart is not that we have a church full of people uh, or that, that you come and listen to me talk. That, that's not what this is all about. My heart is that we would reach lost people. Because I think every single one of you has people that you care deeply about who don't know Jesus for themselves. Maybe you're sitting in this room and you're not sure about, you know, is Jesus who he said he is? That is our heart in, in, in uh, sharing this this morning. But I want to tell you this. If you haven't been listening carefully up till now, I want you to listen really carefully from now to till the, till the end for this reason alone. If you jump in halfway in, you might hear me say something. You're like, that's heresy. What, what is he saying? You know, like, we're leaving right now, honey. You know, Ethel, pack the bags. This guy, he's off his rocker. We're out of here. Um, or you'd be like, whatever. But I want to just encourage you to listen real carefully throughout, uh, throughout. I mean, maybe I should say that every week. That would be really great. And everybody listen like all the time. Uh, and uh, before we jump into there, I just want to, have you ever been in a relationship that, that um, was, was, there was a lot of mixed signals in the relationship? You're just like, you know, it's like it's that dating relationship that's a little difficult. I love this little, uh, this text. Why are you sad, says the one, and the text comes back. Because I can't understand our relationship. Sometimes I feel like we're friends. Sometimes I feel like we're more than friends. But sometimes I feel like, just a, like I'm a stranger to you. Mixed signals. Not, not quite sure how the relationship stands. Uh, if you Google it, there's all kinds of articles that may help you. There's seven, uh, seven common mixed signals is the first one. Then there's 13 ways to respond to mixed signals. Then there's another article called Six Reasons Why Mixed Signals Don't Exist. You're just in denial. Uh, and then there's the one, if you're in the dating stage, how to know if she's really into you. Uh, and I kind of wish that I had known about those articles way back in the day when I was in the kind of the dating stage, because um, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, mixed signals can make relationships really confusing. And before, when I was single, there was this hot Dutch girl that I was really interested in. Uh, her name is Beth. And um, oh, you guys thought it was someone else? <laughs> Terrible. Uh, so there's this, this girl that I was really, really interested in. I lived, uh, lived at their farm. I worked for her dad. Uh, and so we would milk cows in the in the barn, I, I was like, I, I really like this girl, and I wanted to ask her out, but I was a little bit chicken. I wasn't sure. I'm like, I think she likes me, and then the next day, I'm like, I don't think she likes me, I, but maybe. And so I would meet with her brother-in-law, Ronnie, and we would meet for coffee uh, every week. And you might think it's weird, but I was trying to get a pros. Uh, he, he had already married into the family. I'm like, okay, tell me, you know, how does, how does this work? What are my chances? And uh, he, so we would analyze. Well, she said this. What do you think that means? Well, she did this. What do you think that means? And do you think now is a good week? Because it's got to be the right week to ask her. I didn't know what I was thinking about back then. But um, so we, we analyze. And finally, he's like, okay, I think it's a good time. 
I think, I think like after a number of weeks, well, it felt like months, you know, we think that we, we think she's ready. Right. And so, and I, when I worked in the barn, I'd always tell her, I'd tell her about this girl that I liked and she was kind of like my little sister. That's kind of the relationship we had. We'd talk about stuff, work together, which was fine. And, and so then as I was um, telling her, there's this girl, she's like, oh, it's like, you know, do you want to know? And she's like, yeah, I want to, I can't tell you yet. I wasn't sure. So then one day, I was like, it's the day. It's perfect. The romantic scene has been set. There she is in the barn with her, you know, muddy boots on. She's milking cows. She's got a greasy do-rag on. I'm like, perfect. You know, I'm in there. I'm wearing my overalls. I'm flexing a little bit as I'm standing by the thing. I'm like, so. It really went very much like this. Um, so do you want to know who that girl is that I, that I like so much? And she looks at me. She's like, yeah, would you just tell me already? And I was like, well, it's you. And, uh, I just knew right away this was not going to go well. <laughs> the shocked look on her face was like, that was not who she expected at all. And as she looked at me, I was like, so I, I kind of like you. Do, you. do you like Do you like me? And she's like, like do, I, do we have a chance? And her words were, not in this lifetime. <laughs> that was the first time I tried to ask her out. Um, after that, she's like, this is terrible. She's like, we've got to work together all the time. Now everything's going to be so awkward. Like how, how you just made everything so awkward. I said, actually, now everything has become crystal clear. There are no mixed signals anymore. I'm like, if she looks over at me, I'm like, not in this lifetime. You know, if she's, she's nice to me, not in this lifetime. I know now where we stand. There is no mixed signals. It has become evidently clear where we stand. And then a few years later, she had a momentary lapse in judgment and asked me out. And I said, yes, and I married her right away. And she's been... That's a whole different story, though. The, the mixed signals made things confusing until something became really, really clear. And why do I share that? Because for many, Christianity feels like mixed signals. There's these things where, like, you know, God, in, in one sense, is, like, angry at the world, and then, then he loves everybody. And, and there's these difficult things um, sometimes where people, are like, they look at the Bible, like, it feels like two different religions sometimes. And it feels like uh, there's two different gods even. And, or you read on the internet, you're like, yes, I believe Jesus loves everyone. And then there's this, they send you this verse that's so contradictory. And you're like, you know, you, you think that's not in the Bible, but then you look it up and you're like, well, that's in the Bible. And you're like, well, how does this measure up? And you're like, well, I don't know if it all doesn't measure up. I, I kind of don't want to be in a relationship like that. It's confusing. I don't know that I like it that much. Like, is God judging everyone or does he love? I, I don't, I don't want to know. And for many, for many who have been raised in church, that's been one of those things that's kind of made you want to drift away. Because there's too many of these questions, these mixed signals. You're like, I don't, I don't really know. Others, it's, you know, it's like, it's the whole reason you kind of avoid it altogether. You're like, I, I don't really want that. Like some of you Christians, you're like freaks. You preach on a street corner yelling, everybody's going to hell. And then on this side, like everybody, God loves everybody. Everybody's going to heaven. Like I, I just don't want any of that. And I think that we've done that uh, in, in one way, simply because we've missed something that Jesus said, missed something that Jesus was trying to make in, uh, incredibly clear. Jesus' teaching was confusing and difficult for people. There were people who had a hard time following it. But there was one thing that he wanted to be, to be crystal clear, and that, that's this. He was starting something brand new. He was starting something brand new. And John the baptizer, which was also new, the guy who was dunking people in a river, nobody saw people dunk people like that, and so they're all watching. Well, this is cool. He, he points out and says, look, there's this, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We just read right on by that. But for, for Jewish people, they would, look and they would have had a really, that's not, that's not what we're looking for. We've been raised with, we take real lambs to the temple, 
We sacrifice those lambs. That's what takes away our sin. It was new. You know, there's a person going to die for our sin. That's new. You know, and that he's going to die for the sins of the world. That's new because really the lambs were just for Jewish sin. And so there was this new thing that, that they had. And for some, it was super difficult. They're like, oh, that doesn't sound right. But there's something about the way that he talks. There's just something about Jesus that I hate what you say, but tell me some more. I don't know if I agree with that, but let me listen in a little closer. And for them, that was what we uh, sometimes, sometimes miss is that there was this really strong tension for many of them as they heard the words of Jesus. And we just kind of read by it and we read it in our North American English and we miss that tension that they would have felt in that moment. There was something about Jesus that attracted people to him. They kept listening. Everyone was praising him. They were saying, wow, he's a great teacher. Wow, he's like a great rabbi. He's like a, he's like a great prophet. They kept thinking, He's part of the old. He's connected to the old. He's connected to the old. And he would keep telling them this underlying message. I didn't come to be part of the old. I came to start something brand new. Let's jump in Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7 verse 16. It says this, great fear swept the crowd. The crowd who was listening to Jesus. And it says, they praise God saying, a mighty prophet has risen among us. The Jewish people. Wow, there's a mighty prophet who's come for us. God has visited his people today. They were like, this is amazing. And so the news of Jesus spread all throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside around the area of Israel. But Jesus kept saying and kept this message of like, I didn't come just for the Jewish people. I didn't just come for, you know, God's people. I came for the world or something brand new. Uh, Matthew and Luke actually give us similar overviews of the teachings of Jesus. They kind of explain some of the things. Anybody know what Jesus' most famous sermon is? Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, shout it out. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount. You're right. The Sermon on the Mount. You, uh, Matthew writes about all the things, you know, blessed are the, the meek and blessed are the humble and blessed are the whatever. Uh, he writes a whole bunch of things. And he says they were the Sermon on the Mount. Luke actually writes about it and says, after Jesus came down from the mountain, he was on a level ground and he taught these people. And what did he say? Blessed are the poor, blessed are the, blessed are the meek. And they're, you're like, well, is it on the Mount or is it on the plain? Well, most of the New Testament Scholars would say that it's most, it, it's, it's a, it was a common content for Jesus to teach. He probably teached it everywhere. He probably taught that everywhere, uh, in the plains, on the mountains, in the villages, by the water. Uh, and there's these famous verses that they would have heard over and over and over again. They, the, the, the gospel writers just wrote the highlights, a tidbit of what Jesus had done in his three years of ministry. Uh, but you heard things like this. See, we read it, and you've, you've heard this before. Jesus uh, turned to his disciples and said, Luke chapter 6, verse 20, this is one of those sermon on the plain, sermon on the mount. God blesses you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. If you've heard the Beatitudes before, you've heard this one. But that's not how they would just listen to it. They would have heard and said, God blesses you who are poor. They would have said, that, that, that's, not, that's not true. All our lives we've been raised to, to hear that God blesses the rich. If you're rich, then God's blessing you. If you're poor, well, you've probably done something that God's not too happy with you. That's all they ever heard. And so they're like, what do you, Jesus, what do you mean God blesses the poor? He says, well, the, the kingdom of God is yours. That, that doesn't make sense. Everybody who was a famous king was rich. David was rich. Abraham was rich. Solomon was rich. They were all rich. What do you mean God blesses the poor? And they listen in, lean in a little bit. Matthew 5, verse 5 uh, Matthew writes, God blesses those who are humble, for they'll inherit the whole earth. 
And they listened to that and said, that doesn't sound right. The Romans are inheriting the whole earth and they are humble. It's the powerful who inherit the earth. And he's like, actually, no, that, that's not the way it is. And they're like looking at him. I, that doesn't make, doesn't make sense. Matthew 5 verse 80 says, God blesses those whose hearts are pure for they'll see God. And they would sit there and they'd say, we're not allowed to see God. All our lives we've been taught that it's not the hearts that, that matter. We've been taught that you've got to be ceremonially pure. And only the priests and only the high priests, the ones who do all the right sacrifices and who've got this religion thing figured out right, they're the ones who get to see God. He's like, no, those whose hearts are pure get to see God. And they would think, man, that's not what Moses taught us. And this is going against everything that ever been taught before. But Jesus didn't end there. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, famous verse. He says, you're the salt of the earth. And the Jewish people listening to that said, we, we're supposed to stay away from all those people. We're always supposed to, we're, we're a called out individual people. We, want, we don't want to be, you know, part of all the earth. And he says, yeah, he says, what good is it salt if it loses its flavor? Can you make it salty again? No, it's going to be thrown out, trampled underfoot is worthless. Verse 14, he says, you're the light of the world. Like we, <laughs> we don't want to be the light of the world. He's like, it's like you're a light of the world. It's like a city on a hilltop that can't be hidden. No one lights a lamp, then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp's placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see, all your neighbors to see, all the world to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. And they'd be thinking, we don't want people to praise our God. We want people to fear our God. Like back in the days of Joshua, we're waiting for another Joshua, a Messiah, a Savior to, to be raised up. We want Everybody who's a foreigner out of Israel, including the Romans, we want our country back. And here comes Jesus. And he keeps saying things that they say, well, that doesn't sound very Messiah. Like, we thought you were the Messiah, but that doesn't sound very Messiah. Like, that doesn't sound very Moses-like. That doesn't sound like anything we've been taught before. And so the people who would teach uh, the, the, the religious um, teachings of that day, all the stuff of Moses, they were furious the people who worked at the temple would come to Jesus and say, who do you think you are saying things like this? If you're a rabbi, you're allowed to teach what Moses taught, but you're not allowed to change what Moses taught. They're like, what do you, who do you think you are? And Jesus is like, I'm glad you asked because I'm not done. And he carries on and says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, he says, do not think, do not think that I came to destroy. Why, why does he say that? Because that's what they're thinking. He's like, don't think I came to destroy the law uh, or the prophets. And you're like, what's the law and the prophets? See, in our Bibles, we have something called the Old Testament and the New Testament. They didn't have that back then. They had just the group that we call the Old Testament, but they called it the law and the prophets. The law that Moses wrote, the prophets, everything between Exodus and Malachi was considered to be the law and the prophets. They didn't call it the Old Testament because it was the only one. It wasn't old. It was their covenant. It was their agreement. It was their plan of relationship with God. And it's what they had. They called it the law and the prophets. And so when Jesus was talking, he's like, you think I'm coming to destroy the law and the prophets, to toss it all out to the side? He says, that's not what I'm doing. He says, don't think that I came to destroy it. I did not come to destroy it, but I came to fulfill it. I came to complete it. In other words, all of that Old Testament is about me. I'm here to just finish off what the, old, what the old covenant has said, what it's pointed to, and, and after that, I'm going to start something brand new. I'm not an add-on to all of that. 
It's not one, just one story that just keeps on going. It's, there's, there's an there's a end to one and a start to another. That was so confusing for them, and it's confusing for many today because we hand people a Bible. Uh, we often have it on our devices now, but when you, get, when you actually see a Bible made of paper, it's like, it's, it looks like one book. You're handed one book, and you're like, okay, you know, here's the Word of God. It's the Word of God, uh, the whole thing. And it's true, but there's some things that Jesus said, that he said the law and the prophets part, that's been completed. That's, that's no longer the way that people approach God, and it's no longer the way that God deals with people. Why is that so important? Because for many, that's part of the mixed message. They look and they see stuff in the, in the Old Testament, like, see, look how God is. And then they'll use something from the New Testament. Well, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So see, if he did it then, he's going to do it today. God judged whole nations and, 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 uh, with plagues. And that's probably what happened that last tsunami. There was just too much sin in that country. God just judged that country. You hear thoughts like this. But Jesus is saying, the, the, old, the old is completed, fulfilled in me. It doesn't mean that it's no longer valuable. It doesn't mean that it's not important. It doesn't mean that it's not historical, profound, or even inspired. It just is not in effect right now. It's been replaced. You're like, well, just let's take another illustration. This uh, a couple weeks ago, I got a new cell phone. Uh, It's in my pocket. Woo! It's an Apple. Um, But wouldn't it seem weird to you if I came here today and had my new cell phone, but I still have my old one too? My kids, they said to me, as soon as I got a new phone, they right away assumed that the old phone is theirs. They're like, yeah, dad got a new phone. That means we get, we get his old phone. Why? Why? I was asking my kids, why do you assume that my old phone is just going to automatically be yours? Because they said this, because dad, you don't need that one anymore. You got something better. And that's what Jesus was saying. You don't need this anymore because there's something better that has come. There's something better. It'd be weird if I came and had both my cell phones because I don't need the other one. It'd be really weird if I had, you know, all of my old cell phones. You know, here's my iPhone 7, then there's the 6, the 5 back here, the 4 back here, my Razor flip phone in my pocket, my original whatever flip phone from way back when had all my phones. We don't do that. None of you, none of you bought a new car and then drove both of them here today. We, we don't, we don't it's, it's to say the other one has been Replaced. When there's an old will and a new will is written, the old will is no longer in effect. It's the new will overrides everything that the old will said, and the old will is no longer in effect. And Jesus came to say, this is what I've come to do. I've come to finish that one and start a new one. Matthew 5, verse 18, Jesus says this, For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law Till all is fulfilled. He says, I didn't come to destroy it, but the old covenant uh, way of life, the law, the prophets, the approach to God, that's changing. If I were to tell you this morning that Beth and I are expecting a baby, um, hopefully you'd be, congratulations, I know, we're trying to catch up to the stones. I uh, hope it's twins. Uh, and if I, if I said, we're, we're expecting a baby and, um, and, and we're actually going to send out a shower invitation to you, it kind of looks like this because we know it's going to be a girl. Uh, and so we send out the shower invitation. We're like, hey, come to the shower. Uh, preferably, preferably bring money because uh, kids are expensive. Uh, and so we're, gonna, we're, we're inviting you to a shower. This is for our daughter who is due on, uh, on January the 13th of 2007. We hope to see you there. You'd look at me like, what? Why are you giving me something that's all, you know, that's that far back? It's because it's already been fulfilled. I already have a daughter named Reese who was born on that date. And it's that, this, this piece of paper is no longer in effect because she's already arrived and it's already been fulfilled. 
Jesus said this to them. He says, none of the old covenant is going to pass away until. That word is so important. None of that's going to pass away until, the, until it's all been fulfilled. And it hadn't been fulfilled when Jesus said it yet because he hadn't died and rose again, but it was going to be fulfilled. And, and it wasn't that far off. Everything in the law and the prophets would be fulfilled by him. And he says, I'm going to start something brand new. It is so important that we understand that there's something brand new. Uh, for, for some of you, you wonder, well, isn't it all the word of God? Yeah. It is. It's all the inspired word of God, but it's like an author. Like C.S. Lewis, for instance, wrote a whole bunch of books. He wrote books for kids to read, the Narnia Chronicles. Anybody read those? Yeah, then he wrote some other ones, which are like really big words and very difficult to understand. Uh, Books, Mere Christianity, some other ones that, you know, for adults. Same author, just a different audience. Same author, but a different audience. The Old Covenant was between God and Israel, and it was based on what they did and how they responded to God. If they kept the sacrifices, they'd be blessed. If they did as God said, they'd be blessed. If they sacrificed lambs, they'd be forgiven. And he says, but that's done. He says, the new way is, it's between me and the whole world. He says, it's between God and the whole world. And it's not based on what you do. It's based on the sacrifice that I've made. And it's really, really important that you understand that something is brand new. Well, those original hearers sitting there had trouble with it. They're like, you're you're tossing away everything we've been raised with. The first century church, after Jesus died, rose again, he said, hey, the first century church got together, Peter and James and Paul, they had trouble with it. Acts tells us that Peter and the apostles on the very first messages, they said, we've got something new for the world. And then they stayed in Jerusalem for two years. It's a message for the whole world, but we're not going to tell them. Then Peter said, you know what? This is for Jews and Gentiles alike. And then he never went to a Gentile home for 20 years. Because he's like, there was still that part in him of like the old. And throughout the, throughout the rest of the New Testament, there's continuously this reminder of this is not, this is not an add-on to Judaism. For the Galatians, they were, the, 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 the people came to the Galatians and said, yeah, you can believe in Jesus, but you got to get circumcised. And it's like, thank the Lord that that's not the case. He's like, you don't, have to, that you don't have to follow the old to become a follower of Jesus. And the religious teachers were furious about it. Furious. They're like, you're putting yourself against Moses. Six times in the next few verses, you'd hear these words said. The words were, you've heard it said, but I say. Jesus would say, you've heard it said. Do you remember those? You've heard it said, don't murder. And they'd be like, yeah, that's what Moses said. And he says, but I say, do you know what it is? Don't even hate. Don't even hate a brother. That's like murdering him in your heart. He said, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I'm saying, don't even look at a woman with lust. It's the same thing if you do it in your heart, whether you do. And they were like, Moses said, you know, we could get divorced. And he's, he'd, be, he'd say, there's, a, there's another way. Um, um, Moses would say, uh, you can hate your enemy, but love your neighbor. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. And Jesus like, but I'm saying, forgive those who wrong you. I'm saying do good to those who've done evil to you. I'm telling you there's something brand new. And so then he starts winding down this message on the plain, on the mound, or wherever it may have been. Matthew 7 verse 12 says this. Jesus said, do unto others what you'd like them to do to you, because this is the essence of all that's taught in the law and the prophets. Because if you want to keep the law and the prophets, he says, this is the one thing. And he kept calling him back to one thing. The religious leaders hated it. They said, you know what, you're... 
You're, you're like putting yourself up as, as, you know, better than Moses, better than the law, better than the temple. You know, like you're, you're, you're trying to tell us we don't need the sacrifices. We don't need that. He's like, that whole system's going to die. And over the next few chapters, you see it back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then finally, it's almost as if Jesus just gets, not frustrated, but just says, I, you know what? Let me just make it real clear for you. And he says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 6, I tell you, there's one here who's greater than the temple. Next week, we'll look at that, what that actually means. He says, the temple, is gonna, the temple way of things is going to be gone. And sure enough, in AD 70, the Romans made Jesus' words come true. That They got rid of the temple, and, and that ancient Judaism has never been practiced again. Jesus said, I'm coming to make something extremely clear. I didn't come to add on to the old. He said, that's like putting a new patch on an old garment. Everything gets messed up when you do that. He says, not an add-on to the Old Testament. He says, I'm, I, I didn't come to refresh the Old Covenant. I didn't come to make it cool and hip again. He says, that's like putting new wine in old wineskins. It's just going to break. He says, that's not what I'm doing. I didn't come to mix the messages. I didn't come to give mixed signals. I came to start something brand new. It used to be, but now it's this. Why is it so important? Because how we share what it means to follow Jesus with others is so, so important that they understand that there's something brand new. It used to be about the law and the prophets and the old covenant, but now Jesus said, it's all about me. It used to be about Moses, but now it's about me. It used to be about Passover, but now that is all speaking about me. It used to be about your sacrifices, but now it's about my sacrifice. It used to be about the old covenant, but now it's about a brand new covenant. The old one is done. The new one has started. A new covenant with a new command and a new movement. And this morning, you know, there can be lots of confusion today when it comes to Christianity. I believe the reason why there's so much legalism, so much lack of grace, so much of this misunderstanding and confusion about Christianity in our culture, in our country, is simply because the messages keep getting mixed. We keep trying to mix what Jesus said, one's done and the new one has started. And that results in a lot of confusion for people. And Jesus simply said, I want you to come follow me. It'd be like me this morning as we just wrap up that, if I were to say, hey, today we're going we're going to, uh, to talk about a cookbook and a mechanical book at the same time. So today we say, I want you to take a half pound of butter after you leave, and I want you to put it in the windshield washer container of your vehicle. What's going to happen? Big mess. A big mess. And that's the same thought of when we try and mix things together and try and make it all fit together. Jesus made it abundantly clear. I'm not calling you to follow that. He His last words, final words to his disciples is this, Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. This was after he had died and rose from the dead. And that's why they started writing everything they wrote, because nobody does that. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. They realized that if you can predict your death and resurrection and pull that off, then you're not human. It just proved that he is who he said he was, that he was the son of God. And then he says, therefore, he says, since I have all authority, he says, I'm telling you to go. Go and what? Make disciples. Go and make followers of Jesus, of all the nations, not just the Jewish people, the whole world, which is good for us that they did it. He says, I want you to baptize them, have them align themselves with me, identify with me. Have them baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Disciples would have, you know, they wouldn't have been familiar with this because they would have thought when people wanted to become Jewish, they would be baptized in the name of Moses. And there's no Moses. It was just Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He says, teach the new disciples. Teach them. Teach them to obey the commands, what? 
Teach them to obey the 613 commands of the Old Covenant. Teach them to, teach them to uh, memorize all of these books. He said, teach them what? The commands that I have given you. Because it is all about me. It's all about me. Teach them to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I'm with you even to the end of the age. My thought this morning, maybe the mixed messages have possibly confused you. Maybe it's confused your kids or your grandkids or your students or your, univer- your university students that come home and say, you know, hey, mom and dad, what, you know, you raised us and all this, but what about this? There's so many in that generation that walk away from faith unnecessarily. They walk away from following Jesus because of something they don't understand in the, old, uh, in the Old Testament. And Jesus said simply, this idea of, of the old and the new is that I've called you to come follow me. Why are we following Jesus? Because that's what Jesus said. Come follow me. Um, maybe hearing this this morning has been difficult for you. Maybe you're like processing this like, ah, ah, I don't know. We never should have came today. We're never coming back. Maybe for you, when you were growing up, you got handed the Bible, and it said Bible stands for basic instructions before leaving earth. Everything in here is the word of God for you. Maybe. And and to be honest, it would be really difficult to hear something like this today if that's what you think the Bible is. Because it's what I've always heard. You've heard it said that if God said it, that settles it. You've heard it said that everything in the Bible is the word of God and it's, you can count on it. You can take any verse wherever it is because it's God's word for you. You've heard it said that if, you know, if, if, uh, that God wants you to be rich, that God blesses those who are rich and God blesses the power. We have people believe that still today. And it'd be really hard to hear, oh, maybe, you know, that that old is done and there's something brand new. You can identify with what it was like for those same disciples to say, oh, this, this is hard. It goes against. It goes against some of the stuff I've always heard. The Old Testament and the New Testament, it's the same author. It's just for a different audience. The Old Testament is still the words of God, still inspired by God, but it's not written to you. And it's not written to our world around us. And it should not be used to reach out to our world around us. It is not what our faith is based on. Our faith is based on the, the death and resurrection of Jesus and our journey and our approach to God is by following him alone. Jesus didn't say, when he called people, he didn't say, hey, come, come follow the Bible. Because the Bible, the way we have it, didn't exist yet. Not for 300 years. We'll talk about that another time. He didn't say, hey, come, come follow you know, the old covenant. He didn't say, come follow the Ten Commandments. And so many times I talk to people, what makes you a Christian? Well, I try and follow the Ten Commandments. Jesus said, I didn't call you to come follow the Ten Commandments. I, came, I told you to come follow me. Not to follow rituals, sacrifices, the temple way of doing things where you regularly show up at a temple, whatever this, you know, whatever that is. I show up every week. I'm a Christian. He's like, I didn't call you to that. I called you to come follow me. He didn't say Judaism is the way. He said, I am the way. He didn't say the Bible's going to be your guide for life. He said, I'm going to be your guide for life. And when I'm not here, Holy Spirit will live inside you and will guide you and lead you into all truth. He said, follow me, follow me. And our hope is that we would be followers of Jesus, following his teaching, following his command to love one another the way he's loved us, and then to point others to the same thing, to the same person, that they would follow Jesus. And so why do I say all of this? Maybe you're here this morning, you've, got, you've had some trouble with some stuff in the Old Testament. You're like, 
I can't reconcile all of that. Maybe it's creation. Maybe it's some of the things, weird laws you've read about. Maybe it's something you heard on, about on the internet, misinformation about Christianity. You're like, I, I don't really know if I can commit my life to this. Can I tell you something? That even if you have doubts and you have questions and you have things you're not sure about, that does not have to stop you from following Jesus. You can start today to simply say, I want to take steps following Jesus, following his teaching. And the reason we value the Old Testament is because Jesus did. Because Jesus did. And for some, makes it makes it really, really difficult. But our world needs Jesus. That's our hope, that the generation who's walked away from church would come back to following Jesus. That they wouldn't leave because of some questions or things they don't understand, but that they would come back to the thing of, of following Christ. Not following a ritual and just filling up a building on Sundays, but that we'd be followers of Jesus. So the question again is, are you following him really? Am I really following him? Or is there a part of me that's connected to the old? Am I following what was brand new? Or is there a part of me that's still, it's just a religious thing? Or am I following Jesus? I want to do something we've never done before. And maybe I'll change my mind really quick. But um, because it's brand new, I want to just do something quickly brand new, uh, which we just don't do. But for a couple quick minutes, if there's anybody who has a question this morning, says, can you clarify something that you said this morning? I would love to give us the opportunity to do that rather than, well, I don't know, answer a whole bunch of emails later. (laughs) Any thoughts to say, hey, can you clarify? Last night we had some great questions asked. And how do you reconcile the God of the Old Testament with the God of the New? He's the same God. He just deals with people differently because he chose to. It'd be like a parent with your kids, for instance. You know, if you've got, uh, if, if you've got a child who's disobedient at age four, and you're like, hey, you got to go sit in the corner and then, you know, or whatever your discipline is, you know, that's different when they're 21. He's like, hey, go sit in the corner, then come sit on my lap and we'll talk about it. You deal with them differently. That's similar to what's happened with how God deals with people. Any questions? Nobody dares? This morning. He'll email me later. (laughs) This morning, like I said, my heart and my hope is that we realize that there is a lot of people around us that have a real struggle with Christianity because of how it's been presented to them. And what they really need is Jesus. And that is our whole hope is that you'd be inspired to go home and just begin to like, ah, where do I start reading this whole thing? Just start reading about Jesus. Read Jesus' life. Read the things that Jesus taught. Let that get so ingrained into you that the next time somebody asks you about, hey, why do you go to church? Let me tell you about Jesus. It isn't about rules. It isn't about that. It's about a God who loves you so much. He was willing to die for you. He wants relationship with you so badly, relationship with you so badly. He was willing to die for you. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's so powerful and life-changing. God, I thank you that you did something brand new, that you came and gave your life once and for all for the sin of the world, including mine. Thank you for the opportunity to live in forgiveness and to live in, in grace, to live in your freedom, to live in your joy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. God, help us to live our lives as, as a reflection of that, that people might see you in us. You are in us. God, as we go from this place, we just be encouraged to spend time studying what you've taught us. Jesus, that we would live out the command to truly love like you loved, to truly love like we've been loved. 
Thank you for that. Thank you that as we leave this place, we leave with you. We go in your name and for your glory. Amen.